Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I think we really got something in. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. What was the discussion earlier? Was she open the Bulldog? Chris Collinsworth has 16 Emmys. Seinfeld has what? One for the show and a couple separate ones for supporting actors from Elaine and other people on the show. How about that? The show is not about nothing. This is the nightcap on WGR heading into hour two, and we're going to get right back into it, wasting no time. There was tons of good audio today on One Bills Live as we are a couple days removed now, about five days from the big Thanksgiving Day victory, the Bills over the Cowboys, which was dubbed to most as, at the time, the biggest game of the season, potentially the biggest game that Buffalo's seen in a couple of decades. And you can rewrite the script this Sunday because what was once potentially the biggest game in recent Bills history against the Cowboys and on Thanksgiving, you can make a case right again here on December 8th that Baltimore coming into town as Caesars most recently updated Super Bowl favorites behind first-year play caller Lamar Jackson come to try and invade your stadium here in Buffalo to move to 11-2. and Meanwhile, you can even their record at 10-3 and three with a victory on home turf. So without further ado, a man who was very high on the Bills going into the Thanksgiving game in Dallas, Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football, joined John Murphy and Steve Tasker this afternoon. And here is his time with the guys. Steve, I'm guaranteeing it. The Buffalo oh. Bills will beat the Dallas Cowboys. And never mind my partners on Good Morning Football. And let me assure you, as much as I love my two brothers and my sister, they have seen five seconds of Buffalo Bills football all year. They're off doing the, the primetime games and the more prestigious teams, and they're all much bigger than me, those guys. Believe me, they're like, what, the Bills? Oh, they still play football in Western New York? I'm telling you, they will do it, except for Kay. Kay knows the Bills. But I do think the Bills will beat the Dallas Cowboys. They're, I think they're a better team. I don't know if they have a better roster. I don't really care. I think the Bills will beat the Cowboys on Thursday, and the Bills will be – a much, much bigger deal in this country on Friday. That's how it went last Tuesday a week ago when our man Kyle Brandt uh, forecast correctly. He didn't predict it. He guaranteed a Buffalo Bills victory over the Dallas Cowboys. As you know, that's the way it happened. And Kyle Brandt, the host of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network, joins us live right now. Kyle, go ahead. Take a victory lap around your uh, living room there. Go ahead. You deserve it. <laughs> not a prediction, Murph. Let's not lest anybody confused. Not a prediction, a guarantee. And you know what? It wasn't even that close. I wish I could pay it forward now and say I guarantee Steve Tasker will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But I can tell you yeah. this. I guarantee 
He is the first ballot Hall of Fame Good Morning Football guest. Steve came on last Friday and was incredible. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for making the show better. Well, it was fun for me. You guys are great. You guys are a staple in our day. We watch you every day, and and, uh, it was an honor for me. Thrill. It was it was fun. You guys are yeah, great. You're well, the listen, best, I, I figured thing on TV. I've made your show better for 13 weeks. You kind of owed us for one week. And for, frankly, look, Steve, you were just as a guest like you were as a player. Completely dependable, hardworking, researched. You came in with a metaphor, and you know we love metaphors in Good Morning Football. Right. Absolutely killed it. Thank you for coming on. Now let's bring on those Ravens, huh? Yeah, there you go. Then that and that brings us to the, the topic of the day. And, and thank you. We had to play your guarantee for last week so we could finally put yep. the Dallas win behind us and, and and you know kind of move on from our Thanksgiving feast. But this is and I've told Murph this a ton, and you know this too. When you the reward you get for winning an important game is a more important game. And that's what the Bills face with the Ravens this week. It's wild, too, because I feel like it almost feels like they jumped up in weight class, right? Like, right. You're like okay, well, you knocked out the, the middleweight, and now your reward is the light heavyweight who's been winning every fight in the first round and as no joke whatsoever. But listen, isn't this what you want as a Bills fan? Don't you? Nobody watched for 11 weeks, and everyone said, well, you beat the Dolphins, you beat the Redskins. This has been... Three and a half months in the making, maybe 20 years in the making. It's a huge game and a huge challenge. I heard Murph talking about the defensive statistics of the two teams going in. You know, I saw some really good defensive statistics for the San Francisco 49ers last week, too. And then I see Lamar just prancing through the secondary. This is the challenge of all challenges. Um, I'm not necessarily sure I'm going to give you a Bills guarantee they're going to win this week, but <laughs> right. wait till the end of the segment. <laughs> we don't need a guarantee every week, but if you got one, we'll take it. Kyle, what is it about this Baltimore offense that has everybody so excited? And and I guess a better question might be, what have they done to change the way we look at NFL offenses? What has Lamar Jackson done, do you think? It's insane. You know, and it's. I think it's also not just that they're running all over the place or not just that they're a sensation – we're in December now. This has been going on four months. That supposed thing where the league catches up with Lamar or watches film with Lamar, we're kind of past that. He's passed every single test. There's a lot of different ways I could take this, but I'll do kind of a kind of a backdoor way on this. Everybody's been watching Lamar Jackson. Everyone watching your show, listening to your show, knows Mark Ingram. There's something that the Ravens do that is so interesting and a player to watch out for this weekend. Watch for number 42, Patrick Ricard. Patrick Ricard, they call him Project Pat. He is an undrafted guy from Maine, and he is one of the NFL's, maybe the NFL's only true two-way player. He's the fullback that's in front of Lamar, in front of Ingram on the goal line. He also plays pass rusher on defense, a defensive end, and he plays special teams. A lot of this mauling that you see them do when they go for a full house backfield, double tight ends, it's not just Ingram and Lamar. This guy, number 42, is the do-all guy, and you've got to take him out of it because he's nasty. Watch for Patrick Ricard. Yeah, and there's a lot of things about this game that, that are new and different for Bills fans. We don't see the Baltimore Ravens all the time, although it's the last two seasons we will have seen them. Uh, this is a team yeah. also that, that plays really good defense. I mean, both this, that game last weekend with the 49ers and the Ravens, you knew that both those defenses were going to have their say, but, man, it was a close game, a hard-fought game, and there is a way to hold the Ravens from 40, scoring 47 points or 41 points or 37 points like they've been doing the last few weeks, yeah. and the Niners found a way to do it. Is there a key in there other than just putting a bunch of supermen out there? 
it's tricky because, you know, as, as hyped as that Niners-Ravens game was, it was the game of the week, and everyone was talking about it all week. It was, it was a little strange because, you know, you saw it, the conditions were terrible. It was raining. It was wet. So the passing numbers from both sides were way down. I, I almost feel like that game, it was like a movie you didn't get in high def. Like, it wasn't really the true experience, and it was still so close. Um, I think as it pertains to the Ravens' defense against the Bills' offense— you know, everyone is so so titillated by Lamar that you don't talk a lot about the Ravens' defense, and you don't see Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Terrell Suggs out there, and it's these guys like Matthew Judon or Earl Thomas late, but they're fantastic. I mean, they really are good. This this is not, make no mistake, the Bills are not playing the MVP this week or the best offense this week. They're playing the best team in the league this week. The Ravens are head and shoulders above and you can't do that with Lamar Jackson just running around. Their defense is loaded, too. Just look at who they beat. Kyle, are there, you mentioned about a jump-up in weight class. Are the Bills ready for that jump-up? Yeah. What do you think? I think so. I mean, it's listen, they've had a lot of tune-ups, Murph. You can only fight so many tomato cans. They've had sparring sessions. Yeah. They're ready. It's the right time of year. They're at home. Um, I would be... Obviously disappointed, but also very surprised if the Bills got beaten heavily this weekend. As good as Lamar is, as good as the Ravens are, there's absolutely no reason this should not be a close game. But it's going to come down to the thing that we have said in every conversation we have ever had, and is the maturation of Josh Allen. Um, he's going to have to make some plays. I thought on Thanksgiving Day, I barely recognized the guy, and I mean that in a good way. And I Listen, that fourth and short, was an absolute wasn't just a clutch play it wasn't just a that was a seminal play for a young josh allen to not only have the wherewithal but to have the spine to scoop up the ball and make a play the word we've used all season about this guy is fearless absolutely fearless almost a little nuts sometimes where it makes you nervous but this as far as i'm concerned was the play of the year for the buffalo bills they've had bigger ones they've had more important ones maybe but not one that is more telling of him and the screaming and the pointing afterwards. So that to me was like, it was, it was like he left out of lessons. He's ready to get out of the house. He's not living in mom's room anymore. He's not driving dad's car. I feel like Josh Allen was grown up on that play as ugly and sloppy as it was. I'm at home on Thanksgiving, jumping off the couch, yelling because that was what it was like. Josh Allen became a man right in front of us. Hey Kyle, I wonder, um, and you tell me if I'm wearing rose-colored glasses here, but uh, yeah. you could argue, and I might be arguing right here, that all that led up to this week's game was kind of meant to be the the easy schedule. They get their footing offensively. They find out that they're better in no huddle. They find out that they're better with eleven personnel. Uh, the defense remains solid, and then maybe it was. It was supposed to work this way. Now they are jumping into the heaviest weight class, ready to do so based on what has come before it, including back-to-back -back wins over the Dolphins uh, and the Denver Broncos leading into this little stretch here. Well, Marv, I, I mean, I, I would agree with you, and I'll take it a step further. I, I think also some of the beatdowns that they've taken, whether it was Philadelphia or whether it was Cleveland, you know, I they got tougher from those. And let's not forget, you know, Rocky Balboa got the snot beaten out of him by Clubber Lang before he came back in the rematch and had to remaster that deal. Now, listen, they got bodied hard. We've talked about this to continue the boxing analogies. Those losses to Philadelphia, to Cleveland, those were just body shots, run game up the middle, up the middle. So I hope they've matured because if they haven't, Baltimore is going to drop them early. Nobody runs the ball like this. It's San Francisco and Baltimore – 
And it's kind of silver lining if you're Dallas last week. Zeke Elliott was doing his thing, and we can agree. The game got away from him, and they stopped handing him the ball and just handed it over to Dak. But it's not really like the Bills' defense was jumping all over number 21. It looked like he was going to be gashing them a little bit. So we'll find out on defense, on defense how much the Bills have progressed because we've seen a couple times this, this year when – Damn, someone really takes it to him with a ground game, and nobody has the punching power like Baltimore. Yeah, one of the things I, that I kind of got out of that, that Dallas game, and we had seen flashes of it, although we'd never had a moment where you had to compare it. Josh Allen, like, like last year, the first time he really starts a game we remember was in the Minnesota game when the Bills were 0-2 and, and they had getting just yeah. getting – And he were, jumped over the guy. And he jumped over yeah. the guy. It seems as though – and this Thanksgiving game, same thing. Josh seems to play well in the pressures on. He's a fourth-quarter comeback guy. He's a fourth-quarter quarterback. His quarterback rating was the top of the league for a while. When the pressure's on, when the lights are up, when you get in those big moments, he seems to have the mentality to rise up and elevate his play. And I can't think of a better gene or trait for a quarterback to have than that one. Do you think the Thanksgiving Day performance he put on maybe bolsters that, or was that just a kind of a one-off game? What do you think? Does he have that clutch gene, that limelight gene that some of these guys have? You know what I thought was impressed by on Josh on Thanksgiving Day? We talked about the fourth and short and the passing sure, but actually one of my biggest takeaways was after the game. They win. Oh, my gosh. It's Bill's Christmas. They beat the Cowboys. The American dream beats America's team. It's a great storyline, and everybody's freaking out. And he's standing there on the field, and, he, and he's with Tracy Wolfson, who really teed it up high for him to say, Josh, basically, I'm paraphrasing, do you have something to say to America now about the Buffalo Bills? And he didn't go there, and he stayed in his shoes, and I thought he showed a lot of poise because he could have beat his chest and done a sort of how-you-like-me-now type speech and it would have been way premature. And that you say something like that, then you lose the Baltimore, you lose the the whole thing falls apart. I thought in the biggest moment, media-wise, of his NFL career, I mean, there's, listen, guys, that was the most watched regular season NFL game in three years. There's 30 million people watching that thing. For him to just say, no, you know, we're not worried about sending a message, I thought was very smart and very mature. So on the field, sure. But I think he does have it between the ears, Steve. Got one more Thanksgiving leftover for you regarding the Bills. One of your favorite Bills, Dawson Knox, gets nominated again for an angry run this week, huh? I'm glowing about Dawson Knox. (laughs) You know, everybody can rant and rave about all these fantastic tight ends in the league, Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz, and they're prolific players. Give me this young kid in Buffalo who just throws people into the core of the earth that they try to tackle him. <laughs> I love Dawson Knox. He was he was a, a finalist for our Angry Runs Award this week. I wish he could have won, but it's a democratic process, and it ended up going down to one of the D linemen for the Saints who sent Matt Ryan into the next dimension. But it's so funny because the Bills fans are always all over that segment, and they really want it, which I respect. They had, you know, you nominate Dawson Knox, I thought, you know, they would be, their their bloodlust would be satisfied for the week. No, many people felt he should have won. <laughs> many people upset that Josh Allen was not nominated for the same fourth and short play. So if it was up to Western New York, every nominee every week would be a <laughs> Buffalo Bill. And the way they're playing, maybe some one of these weeks it will be. But until then, 
Dawson Knox is one of my favorite players in the league. He must be protected at all costs. Well, we got we, we kind of wrapped up the Thanksgiving weekend, and we also looked ahead to the Ravens. Let's look a little bit around the league. We got uh, the uh, upcoming on the Bills' schedule, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Devlin Hodges yeah. is 2-0 and as their star. And I, I got to be honest with you, I have no idea who this guy is. I don't know where he came from, uh, anything. But I'll tell you what. The Steelers organization has a knack for putting it together when they need it the most. Uh, Mike Tomlin, you got to tip your hat to him. And Devlin Hodge has come in and wins two games for him in a season that's not over for them yet. It's, it's pretty intriguing over in Pittsburgh right now. It's unbelievably intriguing. And one of the things you learn if you're in the NFL world long enough is do not ever count out the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, they're different than a team. They are a company. They are an organization and that organization does not have bad seasons. And Mike Tomlin has never been below 500. And this was the year he was supposed to take his lumps. The, the franchise quarterback goes down. The backup doesn't have it. Guys, understand. I don't know if maybe some of your listeners don't understand if they, why Devlin Hodges is called Duck Hodges. He's called Duck Hodges because he has a background in competitive duck calling, both as a junior and then also when he grew up. When he grew up, rather. This is random, wild stuff that you expect to see, you know, on a different TV channel or some sort of weird documentary about Duck Dynasty. He's the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's never lost. And he's got this kind of thing. It reminds me earlier in the season of another wacky backup, Gardner Minshew, who came out of nowhere, ridiculous name, ridiculous look, and just made plays. And he worked, and he had it going for a while there. And if you look at the Steelers... No Ben Roethlisberger, no Antonio Brown, no Le'Veon Bell, no Juju Smith-Schuster, no Marquise Pouncey, all of these guys out, and they're throwing Duck Hodges to James Washington and winning because Steelers. Don't ever think for a second. I don't care if Buffalo goes and beats Baltimore and they're on top of the world. Don't count out the Steelers. They will go duck hunting and beat you again. It's a tough, tough opponent. Does Mike Tomlin deserve maybe coach of the year if he can win games and get into the playoffs with a duck caller? <laughs> I would, I would think so. I would think so. I mean, we. This is one of the best coaches of the year years I've seen in a long time. Because quickly, what Sean Payton has done, losing Drew Brees for a month, what Kyle Shanahan has done, they're a ten and two team. I could go down the line. Even frankly, even what Brian Flores is doing with a team that was engineered to lose, and now the sudden they're winning. But Mike Tomlin always showed up, guys, and was well. He's got a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he's got all the great players. Can Mike Tomlin really coach? He can coach. I mean, this right. is an awesome, awesome campaign that they're putting together. Last yeah. one, the quick one for you, Kyle. Um, talking yeah. about counting out teams, when, if ever, can we start counting out the New England Patriots? What do you think? I'm not that stupid, Murph. I won't do it. There's a <laughs> lot of people in media who want uh, infamy, tweets, retweets, whatever the hell they are. Um, listen. There's definitely blood in the water right now. I'm not going to tell you there isn't. It's a fascinating watch the Patriots the other night. We've watched Tom Brady for 20 years. 20 years we've seen him. I've never seen him on the sideline dropping a monologue, screaming at his wide receivers about what they have to do over and over, not even caring that the cameras were on him. You know, my, my colleague at NFL Network, Kurt Warner, another Hall of Famer, just said, Brady has no one he can trust. I mean, he doesn't know who to throw to. And I saw him truck down the field 25, 40 yards to Julian Edelman in double coverage. That's not what Julian Edelman does. That's not what they do. But it's his only friend he's got in the fight. And so to answer your question, Murph, there's a lot of blood in the water, and there's been blood before. 
until they are dead and buried, cold dead hands, I will never count out the Patriots. And everybody there in Bill's kingdom knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> How big was that win for Houston, though? That's no question. The Patriots walk in there ten or what nine and two, ten and two. Yeah. yeah. And how big a win is that for the Houston Texans? It's really big, but it's also really fascinating. The AFC South, to me, is usually a little bit bland. But what's going to happen in the last three weeks of the season is the Texans are going to play the Titans twice in the last three weeks. And if you haven't watched the Titans recently, and probably you haven't because they've been boring for about eight years, they're must-see TV. After the Ravens, it's inexplicably in this crazy NFL year when we got duck callers and gardeners, Ryan Tannehill is out of his mind and right now, Derrick Henry is the best, hottest running back in the league. So it was big for the for the Texans, of course, but they got a lot of unfinished business with the Titans. And I just never thought that'd be a sentence I'd say. Yeah, that's that. They have two games within the last three weeks yeah. of the season. That's, I think it's, I I say it. They didn't know, but it's brilliant scheduling because that really <laughs> is going to be fun, right? Don't need to flex it. It flexes itself. Right. It's my favorite kind of schedule. Right, <laughs> Kyle. Thanks for this. We'll talk again. Thank you very much. Anytime, guys. Don't mind. Any week we do it. And I will say Bills 27, Ravens 23. See you next week. Bye-bye. There it is, the prophet himself. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he may share my first name. Kyle Brandt, good morning, football. Dropping another prediction at the end of that segment with the guys on One Bills Live earlier today. As you heard, 27-23 Buffalo over Baltimore this Sunday. We'll see how that transpires. It was a lot, as I warned you, to get through in the interview. They touched on a lot of good topics from Duck Hodges to Coach of the Year candidates, which, by the way, there are plenty. There are plenty of guys doing a great job with rosters they didn't think they'd be working with out of training camp around the NFL. And then, um, yeah, I know nobody wants to say it. I know nobody wants to be wrong. We've seen this story for five, six, whatever years here. But this could be actually the time when the Patriots are actually a little bit vulnerable. You know, we all saw it on the national stage Sunday night. Tom Brady going nuts on his receiver core. He's there kind of alone now. The defense held them up for the beginning of the year, but now when push has been coming to shove for that New England team, they've fallen on some tough times on the offensive side of the football and it's going to be interesting to see down the stretch. Obviously, there's still a matchup week 16 that the, that the Bills have to prepare for in Foxborough, which is, again, it's tough. You, you, heard, you heard Kyle Brand in that interview. You want to be the one. He's, he's, he's not that stupid to be the one that says this is the time. But, yeah, going on the road to New England, you know, you got to see it to believe it uh, until you're proven different that they won't do what they always do inside their own building. But we're going to take a break here when we get back. Due to time constraints, we're going to skip Joe Ferguson and go right to Judy Batista because I thought she had a lot of good stuff too. She talked a lot about the Bills' opponent, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, how it's going to be a step up for the Bills in competition as they kind of go up this late-season totem pole. Started with Dallas, goes up to Baltimore. The job Pittsburgh, the job Mike Tomlin's been doing in Pittsburgh with Duck Hodges now, the third stringer, obviously New England, and then go from there. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff from Judy Batista too. Talk about how Lamar Jackson is this year's Pat Mahomes, and how would you redraft the 2018 class of five quarterbacks? When we get back, this is a nightcap with Kyle Powell on WGR.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR Tuesday night with Kyle Powell filling in for Joe DiBiase, who is across the country enjoying sunny, shiny Arizona with his family. Without further ado, want to waste no more time. We are about an hour and a half into the show. We don't want to waste. Any more of these precious moments with you people, we go right to Judy Batista from NFL.com. She also contributes on NFL Network on TV. She talked a lot about the Bills-Ravens matchup, but especially what to expect and what to worry from that you already may not know from Lamar Jackson. On the line with NFL reporter Judy Batista of NFL.com. Judy, thanks for coming on with us. We appreciate it today. My pleasure. Good to be here. You were in Baltimore on Sunday, and that's why we we want to start with with you. You saw the Baltimore Ravens, who present a pretty big challenge to this Buffalo Bills, especially defensively, don't they? Yeah, you know, what I was impressed by the Ravens uh, on Sunday was they did not play their best game offensively. Lamar Jackson was not at his best. He was pretty candid about it. The conditions there were not great. It was very wet. He had trouble throwing the ball. They had almost no deep passing game. So we didn't see those kind of big chunk plays that we've seen from them in the offense um and they still won it was a slugfest they had to sort of grind it out um they held the Niners at bay and then you know it came down to that final drive where they just had to play very carefully no turnovers no negative plays just sort of march down the field and get in field goal position uh and I thought that was the most impressive thing about it they had shredded you know as you know quite a few of their opponents in the last few weeks it was not that kind of game, and they still came out uh, ahead of the team that may still be the best team in the NFC. They're not the number one seed anymore after after yesterday, but um, you know that was a pretty impressive win. Yeah, and it was a, a highly anticipated game. You thought the 49ers might give them a really good shot of hitting them on them. Both teams really played their – did the game live up to it? I mean, these both these teams are at the top of their conferences, and now – now the uh, Ravens are, are at the very top of the conference and the top of the league with their win percentage. Yeah, you know, I was looking forward to covering that game for weeks. Uh, you know, as soon as it became clear that these were going to be two of the top teams uh, in the league, I couldn't wait to cover it. It did live up to my expectations, at least. Um, you know, if you were looking for a high-scoring game, no, right? It, it was sort of like the Super Bowl last year where everybody was looking forward to fireworks and you didn't get that. But this was sort of an old school battle, right? The conditions were not good. Um, the defenses were good. The offenses had to fight for everything they had. It, it was tremendous. Uh, again, if you tuned in wanting to see Lamar Jackson go off, 
you, you didn't see that. Um, the conditions prevented that, and certainly the Niners' defense, you know, arguably the best defense in the league, pre- prevented it. Um, but it was, uh, I thought it was a great game, really tightly contested, and certainly if we get that rematch again uh, in February, I don't, I don't think a whole lot of people outside of other fan bases would be disappointed. Well, you know, it comes up that Baltimore is coming to Buffalo this this week to play the Buffalo Bills. It, it, and the 49ers are a unique team. They're highly talented up front defensively. What kind of blueprint can people take away from this game for either team about getting an edge on what to do to derail them? Well, you know, they did, uh, the Niners did a really good job of stopping the Ravens running game outside of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson still had 100 yards um, his fourth hundred yard game of the season, but they did a good job of holding off the running backs. So at least you're cutting off that part of their game. Again, I think it's going to depend on the conditions because Lamar Jackson doesn't want to run. He'll tell you that he wants to be a quarterback who throws the ball and they can do that. And they've been able to do that. So I think conditions in Buffalo will dictate a little bit of, of what they're able to do. But um, I, I think, you know, if there's any blueprint it's that you can take from the Niners, and again, they have a very talented defense, um, but take away parts of their running game, put it all on Lamar Jackson, and see what you get out of there. He doesn't want to run. He's run for almost 1,000 yards. He's doing pretty well for a guy who doesn't <laughs> want to run. He's probably going to break Michael Vick's single-season rushing record for a quarterback. Um, he's only, I think it's 23 yards away from 1,000 yeah. yards rushing. So, you know, he'll probably get that. Uh, this weekend, um, but he will tell you he he prefers to throw the ball. He's a quarterback. He does not want to run first. Um, he's obviously tremendously skilled at it, but I think if you can take away at least the running attack from the running backs, at least you put it all on Lamar Jackson. Judy, I was thinking a lot in the last 24 hours actually about Baltimore's offense and the fact that they run it so well, more than 200 yards per game. Uh, Lamar with almost 1,000 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. They've got kind of this new age quarterback uh, playing in sort of an old-fashioned traditional offense, you know, multiple tight ends and and a power running game. it's, It's kind of fun to watch kind of the melding of those two philosophies, isn't it? It is. I feel like Lamar Jackson is this season's Patrick Mahomes, right? Like the sort of supernova who arrives on the scene and you can't take your eyes off him. And you're just, everybody wants to watch him play because you want to see what he's going to do next. Again, the previous few weeks against some of the top teams in the league, they were shredding them, right? Running up the score. It was incredible to watch. That's why I thought this was a really important game against the Niners for them because I think they had to go back and prove you could win a game like this, like a close, tightly contested game where not everything is working perfectly. You're not going up and down the field. Don't forget, they hadn't had to punt. I think it was 21 straight drives that Lamar Jackson was was in on. That's incredible. Um, so I, I think it was important for them to get a game like this where everything was not going right. He did not have his best game. They just had to play a tightly controlled kind of game not make too many mistakes um and you know grind it out at the end well the the ravens come to buffalo and you're right the conditions may be good may be bad that it's a big uh, kind of roll of the dice at this point but uh, they're coming in to play the buffalo bills who i mean what are your thoughts on this bills team are they one of the more surprising teams as this team as this season takes shape they are and of course you know they're under the radar i think nationally maybe until thanksgiving when everybody in the country is watching football and uh and you know obviously dismantling dallas in dallas on thanksgiving will get a lot of eyeballs focused on you yes i think 
I think they're surprising maybe if you weren't paying attention to football. You know, I think we knew the defense was going to be good. Certainly Josh Allen is having a very good season, and maybe nationally he is finally getting onto people's radars. Um, but, you know, the, the fact that they are not just a wild-card team, I mean, they're, they're a wild-card team. They're one of the top teams in the AFC. Let's face it, if they, were, if they happened to be in the NFC East instead of the AFC East, they'd be running away with the division. Um, they would be running away with most divisions in football, except, you know, they happen to be in the division with the New England Patriots. I do think they are surprising a lot of people. Uh, again, I think probably after Thanksgiving, they probably shouldn't be surprising people anymore. You know, uh, we're with Judy Batista, by the way, NFL reporter for NFL.com. This game Sunday here in Buffalo features two of the first round, uh, the five first round quarterbacks from the 2018 draft. Have you given any thought to maybe reordering the the way, the the, the order in which they were drafted? I mean, think about it. The, I don't think the last, you know, the last shall be first here, right? Lamar Jackson would probably be number one now, and maybe yes. Josh Allen would be the second quarterback chosen. Yeah, you know, it's hard to say. Obviously, we get a heavy dose of Sam Darnold here in New York, um, and it's hard to say his season has been so strange with the mononucleosis, new coach. Um, they haven't had many offensive weapons, so it's sort of hard to tell what you're going to get from Sam Darnold. He's been very up and down this year. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield, uh, again, very up and down. You certainly expected much more of that offense than we've gotten. This year, um, you certainly expected much more of that team in general than we've gotten this year. Um, I, I agree. Obviously, it would be reordered. Lamar Jackson would be the first one now uh, taken in the first round. He would probably be the number one overall pick. Um, and, and I think you could make a pretty good argument if, if you were just going by what we've seen so far that Josh would be would be second. How do, how do you argue with that? They have certainly had much greater team success then Sam Darnold has had, um, and, and then Baker has had. So we'll see. Um, again, it's hard to judge, uh, particularly, I think, Sam Darnold, because the season has been so weird for him. But, um, uh, you know, I would say certainly Lamar and Josh would be one and two right now yeah. if you reorder them. Yeah, there, and there's a lot to like about Lamar and Josh. And in, in particular, yeah. I think the, the attitude, the kind of approach to the game that both of them have. We know Josh really well here in Buffalo, but I see Lamar Jackson wearing that T-shirt, nobody cares, work harder. I think <laughs> that guy's he's got the right uh, uh, attitude, too, about how to approach this thing, right? There's no question. They have a similar attitude. First of all, they don't talk about individual accomplishments or accolades at all. Like Lamar Jackson does not want to hear anybody talk about Super Bowl yet. MVP, certainly not. He doesn't want to talk about. Um, they're all about team and we got to keep going and we still have games. I mean, you know, it's sort of boring as a reporter. You want somebody to embrace all of the, the hype. Um, they're not into that at all. They're uh, very even keeled, and look, that's what you want in December and how January. Much, how much of a difference has it made? You look at those five first-round quarterbacks from a year ago. The two guys we're talking about, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, are the only two that have had stability. Josh Rosen, a whole new team. Baker Mayfield, three. Count them, three head coaches. And, of course, Sam Darnold now in his second offense, his second head coach. That's got to be a big factor in the success these young players have had. There's no question. It's a it's a huge factor, and their teams know that, right? I mean, and everybody on the outside should realize that, that no matter how gifted a quarterback or any player is, you, you just can't do it when there's chaos all around you, right? It just doesn't matter if, if there's coaching upheaval. I mean, Sam Darnold, you know, on his second offense, as you pointed out, I mean, Josh Rosen, his head must spin. He's had so much going on. Uh, Baker Mayfield, again, you know – and 
And in so many of these cases, lots of personnel turnover too, not just the coaching staff. It's just a lot. Look, look at Tom Brady, right, as confident and as stable a situation as you could possibly have with that head coach. Even he is having trouble adjusting to having new weapons, inexperienced weapons around him. He's struggling with it this year. So, you know, after his 20-year career, right, greatest quarterback in history, if, if he is struggling with it, imagine what, must, what it must be like in the heads of these young guys. Back with more from Judy Batista after a quick break. This is the Nightcap here on WGR. Without further ado, here is more from Judy Batista. Final segment here on the Nightcap on WGR. Talking with Judy Batista, NFL reporter for NFL.com. A couple of minutes left here. Judy, I want to get to the NFL all-time team, the NFL 100 team. You are on the Blue <laughs> Ribbon panel that selects that team. Is, is your voting complete? Give us an idea about the process. Have you already voted for all those positions? We voted. We voted more than a year ago. We voted Whoa. in the offseason prior to the 2018 season. Oh, wow. So, yes, the 2018 season and the 2019 season were not even part of the consideration. Um Yes, it was it was hard. It was an honor, obviously, to be on that panel with a lot of great football people. Um, but it was hard. Uh, it's hard to make the cut when you're only looking at great players, uh, influential players. Uh, uh, to me, the toughest part of it was comparing players across generations of the NFL. The rules have changed. The styles of play have changed. You know, we have longer seasons. Players have longer careers. Um, it's very difficult to compare players who played in the 1920s and 30s to players who are playing right now. How did you guys handle those 20s and 30s players? Nobody's essentially, no, no one's seen them play, right? Right. Well, we, uh, we had a subcommittee, um, which was uh, John Madden, Bill Belichick, and a few others who really did deep dives on what were called the golden era players. Those are the guys who played both ways, offense and defense, um, and they did deep dives on research. They got what little film there was and looked at it. And they sort of reported back to the rest of the panel and said, you know, this is what we found. These guys were were this, these guys were that. Um, and that really helped um, help the rest of us because you're right. Obviously, none of us saw these guys play live. There's very little film of them to see. Uh, and they spent a lot of time um, to produce a report that really helped the rest of us. Yeah, and 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 when the list comes out, I mean, obviously that's it's comprehensive <laughs> and it goes it, it's wide ranging. Was how much contention was there within? Was it just a blind vote? Did you just discuss it? I mean, there must have been some guys with some pretty passionate opinions. Yeah, we had uh, two rather lengthy conference calls, and then we had an in-person meeting in New York. Again, this is the off season prior to the 2018 season. Um, the in-person meeting lasted hours, hours and hours um, where you just poured over these guys. I wouldn't say it was contentious. There wasn't yelling. But, yeah, there were a lot of strongly held feelings. Um, you know, there were, there were people there who had um, played with some of these players, certainly who had yeah, been personnel executives with some of these players. Um, and obviously there were some media members. You know, we've covered some of these players. Uh, it, it was not contentious, but it was really – I was impressed by how much thought and care went into it. Uh, people spent a lot of time. I'll just give you an example of me. Um, you know, it, it's divided by categories. You weren't ranking them, you know, one through 10 or anything. But for instance, punters, you only got two punters. 
Well, I spent one Saturday like going down the rabbit hole on punter statistics and punter tape. Good luck with that. Uh, you know. <laughs> so that was just punters. Imagine what we did on quarterbacks and running backs and wow. all of the rest. It was uh, There was a lot of effort put into this, um, and it was very difficult. Well, I'll tell you what. We all appreciate the effort you put in on it. All of us who follow the league didn't want to do all of that. So I, we appreciate you putting the effort in. That That's awesome to hear. And I, and I know this, too, and, and some of the – and all the stuff that goes on that's a big list like this, the people they choose to do it do sacrifice a lot of their time and put a lot of effort in. So I appreciate you doing that. And I know on, on behalf of a lot of fans, we're, we can't wait to see the entire comprehensive list. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I look forward to the 125-year you know, list, too. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> That'll be good. Judy, thanks for this. Thanks for being with us here today. We appreciate it. Always my pleasure, guys. Good to see you. All right, that was Judy Batista from earlier today with Murph and Tasker on One Bills Live. Thanks for hanging out with me. If you did, if you didn't, I understand. Thank you for indulging me. And I'll say goodnight, ESPN Radio coming up next. And obviously, look ahead Wednesday morning. Howard and Jeremy come at you at 6 to 10 a.m. The instigators as they get ready for a Sabres-Flames matchup in Calgary on Thursday night. Couple of days away from that still, and then obviously show Bulldog. I believe Derek Kramer will be back in with you guys on Wednesday night before Joe returns on Thursday night for an abbreviated version of the nightcap before the Sabres take on the Flames in Calgary for an eight for an abbreviated version of the nightcap before the Sabres take on the Flames in Calgary for a 9 p.m. puck drop. Joe will have the nightcap from 7 to 8 p.m. before Brian Cozio takes over for the 8 p.m. Paul William Belts pregame show. So thanks for hanging out with me tonight. This has been the nightcap with Kyle Powell on WGR. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.